Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Cindy Lanou Foster, and I serve as one of the youth leaders and one of the Stephen ministers here in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad for it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Almighty and eternal God, so draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations, so control our wills, that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated unto you. And then use us, we pray, as you will, but always to your glory and the welfare of your people. Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of our God.
you please join me?
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God. If we are honest with ourselves, we must admit that we all make mistakes and we all sin before God. There are things we do and say, things we neglect to do or say that separate us from God, from one another and from ourselves. So trusting in the infinite grace of God, let us confess our sins and declare our desire to serve him more fully. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, do. Hear what we speak not. Forgive what we speak amiss. Do what we have left done. 
That is not according to your words or our deeds, but according to your mercy and truth. All may work for your glory and the good of your kingdom through Jesus Christ. Amen. Here is the good news. In response to our prayers of confession, God strikes his record, cleanses us from our pride, our blindness, our stubborn insistence on having things our own way. Through God's grace, we are washed and forgiven. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. So often we repeat it, and so often we need to mean it. Let us share together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's take a moment on this beautiful day to greet one another in the spirit of our Lord. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. I've got a question for you. Why does worship attendance go up the morning after Michigan loses? 
I want to thank this because you want to come and express condolences to me, but there are too many smiles on your faces. <laughs> I can see it. Go blue. We are grateful that we can be together as the people of God to have some fun with each other and to know that the power of the Holy Spirit is in our midst, the power that brings us together such that peace might be upon this earth. We hope that you will find this to be a welcome place and that you will find here a place not only to worship but more importantly to serve our Lord and Savior in the world and we hope that you'll take advantage of all the opportunities that we offer here at Church of the Palms. We would love for you to fill out the friendship pads and pass those along to your neighbor and uh, hopefully uh, that might spur a conversation after our service today. We have a new members class actually this morning right after the service over in the chapel and uh, we'd love to have you come if you'd like to, to learn a little bit more about what's going on here at Church of the Palms uh, and uh, find out about how perhaps you can plug in. We'd love to have you come and join us uh, right afterwards at 1015 in the chapel. So come and explore what life at Church of the Palms is like. We have a couple of other opportunities for you to pay attention to. Uh, Stop Hunger Now is uh, an event that we are looking forward to for Wednesday evening over in the Campus Center where we will be packing 10,000 meals, 10,000 meals for those who are in need of them. And uh, we'd love to have you come and join us. This is an event for all ages, uh, children, youth, adults, parents, older folks, whomever. Please come and join us and be a part of one of those great efforts to make the world a little bit different, a little bit better. And so we hope that uh, you'll be a part of that. Our Presbyterian women will be sponsoring a Christmas bazaar this coming Saturday. So take note of that announcement in your bulletin, a chance for you to come and do a little advanced shopping for Advent and Christmas and uh, to support uh, some good causes as well. We have over the last uh, few months been looking near and far for our new director of operations. And uh, lo and behold, we discovered him right underneath our noses. Um, Kevin Kenny, Kevin, would you please stand up? Kevin Kenny has been our director of finance here at Church of the Palms over the last several months. And uh, the more we got to know him and the more we got to discover what his great gifts were, we realized he was our next director of operations. So would you give him a round of applause? Kevin has uh, great experience leading organizations from uh, all over the country, and uh, he has already been such a great added value for our staff, and so we're delighted that he can be a part uh, of our life here at Church of the Palms. We have another great event coming up next Sunday, and Genevieve would like to tell us a little bit about that. Good morning. You have seen and heard about this coal quartet for a few weeks now, and you're probably wondering what in the world is this concert about? Or what kind of name is that, Kol Quartet? Kol is ancient Aramaic for the voice of thunder. And this name seems to fit well these four singers. They will transport us through an odyssey of storytelling with excitement and with beautiful songs. Individually, these four musicians have performed operatic roles in concerts internationally to great acclaim. Now residing in Sarasota, the members of Cole seek to bring their experience and artistry to venues all across the state of Florida and the United States as well. They will sing for you some love songs, some Broadway, some light classical, many fa familiar titles that you'd pay huge dollars to go see if you went to see them at the Opera House. 
$10 will buy you an unforgettable hour of music. This is your chance to impress somebody special. I have an idea. Come to church, go to brunch, come back here at three and invite a special person, and I can guarantee you that you're going to score some major points. They have a big following in Sarasota that will show up for this concert. I hope to see our Church of the Palms friends as well. See you next Sunday at 3 p.m. in here. The tickets are sold under the tree or in the main office, and there will be some at the door as well. Thank you. During the Advent and Christmas season, we are grateful that we have the chance to participate in some important partnerships in our community. Ann Owens is here today, and she's going to share with us about how you can participate in bringing some good cheer and goodwill to those who need it. Good morning. I'm here to let you know about two important opportunities for you, for you to help during this upcoming holiday season. Once more as Christmas approaches, we as a church congregation will be assisting the Salvation Army in order to meet the needs in our local community. How? By joining the Angel Tree Project in adopting a senior citizen or a child. We have 100 children and 25 seniors from the Salvation Army, 25 from the Good Samaritan Mission, an additional 25 from the Resurrection House. We are asked to provide a toy and a clothing outfit for each youngster and a gift and small necessities for a senior. And this is where you come in. The deacons are asking you to adopt one of these angels, purchase suggested gifts for that particular senior or child, label these gifts, and return them to the church by December 7th. And please don't wrap them. This morning, deacons will be under our tree after the service to help you. Also, our church has agreed to stand by the kettle and ring the bells again in order to raise donations for the Salvation Army. There are various two-hour shifts, which will start on November 24th at the local public store. Barry Buchanan will be there to help you this morning sign up. Thank you for help in joining us to make the joy of Christmas a pleasant reality for many of the needy and less fortunate families in Sarasota. Thank you.
This weekend, of course, we celebrated Veterans Day. And how about we have all of our veterans stand up and so that we can give you a round of applause. And all of you who have been veterans, please stand up. Let us pray. Eternal Father, strong to save, <clears throat> whose arm has bound the restless wave, who bade the mighty ocean deep its own appointed limits keep. We praise you this day for loving arms that hold us close and gracious wisdom that lays before us the path to go. We praise you for the freedom that clears the path to this place of worship for our unencumbered gathering that allows us to see the body of Christ in praise and prayer. We praise you for those whose service to our country was dedicated to the protection of our freedoms, our Bill of Rights, our constitutional privileges. We bless you for those who gave a precious chapter of their lives to wear a uniform and to place themselves often in harm's way. And we thank you for those who are serving today in theaters near and far. Protect them as they seek to protect us. We are grateful for the freedom we enjoyed over these last several weeks to cast votes for the candidates of our choosing. We are grateful for the strongly held convictions that shaped our decisions, for the spirited debate among fellow citizens, for the gratitude and for the disappointment that came with results, for the wonderment around our future. All these come from the hearts and minds with which we have been endowed by our Creator. We confess that over these weeks that there have been times when we have been quick to speak and slow to listen, when we have discounted others in the effort to upbuild ourselves when we have too eagerly labeled and defined the mystery and motive of our fellow citizens. Forgive us and bless our country as we struggle with our differences and as we engage democratic conversation, as we yearn to uphold the values we hold dear and as we honor every citizen as the cherished child of the Creator be especially with our newly elected president, give him a wisdom and a humility and a grace that can come only from you. We pray for our world. We pray for the citizens of places such as Mosul and North Korea and South Sudan and Syria. We pray for children whose only hope they've ever known is a refugee camp. We pray for the victims of human trafficking. We pray for leaders of impoverished nations. And we pray for those who are sick and hungry and lonely and poor. Help us, O oh Lord, to not be deceived into thinking that it is by our elected officials alone that the world's hurts are healed, but more so by the children of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring light into the darkness. For we pray these things in the name of the light, Jesus the Christ, 
who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this opportunity you have given us to give back to you and to give to your world that through these gifts, O Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit will cast seeds of love and grace that all the world may come to know that there is a God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. For we pray this in his name, amen. You may be seated. And we invite Carol and our children to come forward for the children's message. I can always count on you, Maddie. <laughs> come on up, everybody. Come on, X. Oh, they're coming. They're coming. Have a seat. So I brought this. You know what this is? Ben, do you know what this is? What's this? Do you use a pencil? Yes. yes. What happens when you make a mistake? You can erase. You can erase it, right. So, do you, have you ever said anything or done anything that you just wish you could take back? Sometimes our feelings and our emotions make us say and do things that we don't always, aren't very nice. And so wouldn't it be great if we could just erase it back up and have a do-over. Well, in our Bible lesson, we're talking about a man, Isaiah, and he lived a long, long, long time ago, way even before Jesus lived, and Isaiah was a prophet, okay? He, a prophet is a guy who is called, a special person who is called by God to be a messenger, to tell God's people what God wants them to do. Do you think you guys could do that if you were a prophet? be a messenger, a, God, a messenger of God? Well, Isaiah was a good man, but you know what? He, he was human like you and me, and you know what? Isaiah knew that in his heart he didn't always do and say the right thing, but God had a special plan for Isaiah, and so God um, did something really special, revealed himself really special to Isaiah. Isaiah had a God sighting. You guys know what that is, right? It wasn't a dream, it was a vision. And there, Isaiah saw God sitting on his throne with this big robe that filled the whole room, and up above him was these really cool angel creatures that had six wings, and they were covering their eyes, and one set of wings was covering their feet, and the other one was floating around. And pretty soon, Isaiah saw thunder, and he saw smoke, and he started to get scared. And those angels were singing around like the choir, holy, holy, holy is God. And um, pretty soon, Isaiah was trembling with fear, and he said, woe, woe is me. I, I'm not good enough to see God. He was scared. He thought he was a goner. Well, the angel, those, those angel guys, they came down, swooped over to the fire, grabbed a piece of coal with some tongs, and put it to Isaiah's lip and said, I say, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Your sins have been wiped away, just like the eraser. And then God spoke, and he said to Isaiah, I need someone to go tell my people a special messenger, a, me a special message. Who will go for me? You know what Isaiah said? Me, me, here I am, God, I'll go. I'll be, and, and 
and God made Isaiah his special, special messenger. So that story we're talking about in, in, in church today, that happened a really, really long time ago. And, um, but can you guys think of anyone today that would erase all of our mistakes? What do you think? Jesus, yeah, Jesus. And I think that God wants to use us too to be his special messengers, just like Isaiah. Let's pray. Dear gracious God, thank you for the angels. Thank you for Isaiah. Thank you that you erase our sins and that we are good enough to be your messengers of love. We can go for you and tell others about Jesus's love. Amen.
You may be seated. Our scripture lessons today are actually two texts, uh, one that's printed in your bulletin from Isaiah and the second from the gospel according to Luke. The Isaiah text is the text that we have selected for us today in the narrative lectionary um, and we embrace these texts as they come to us in every moment of the church's life and we find here perhaps a timely message for our time today. And then our second text, as I said, is from Luke chapter five. So hear the word of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings, with two they covered their faces and with two they covered their feet and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. From Luke chapter five. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, uh, we worked all night long and we've caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man for he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. 
Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come as simple and as meager as they may be to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. This morning, I want to begin by connecting some dots. The first dot I want to connect is Isaiah. Nobody names their kid Isaiah anymore. It has probably been 2,000 years since anyone has named their kid Isaiah. But there was a time when a lot of people probably named their sons Isaiah because Isaiah was the beloved king of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, who reigned for nearly 50 years. He led his people well, and in the pantheon of Israel's leaders, he was probably third only to Solomon and David. Isaiah. Isaiah was struck with leprosy halfway through his term and was removed from the throne. Back then, they thought that getting leprosy meant that you were cursed by God. He died in approximately 742 B.C. That's dot one. Dot two, in the year 742 B.C., the year of King Isaiah's death, a young man, Isaiah, whom nobody was naming their kids after, stepped into Solomon's temple and saw a vision. He saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, the hem of his robe filling the temple, smoke filling the temple, six-winged seraphs filling the temple, and the ground shaking, and they, he heard them sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. And all of a sudden, the young man Isaiah, enveloped in the glory of God, could see himself for how small and insignificant he simply was, and that he was no better than anybody else. I am a man, he said, of unclean lips, and I dwell in the land of people of unclean lips. And out of this profound confession, Isaiah is touched by the tongs of grace, and he is forgiven. And when he hears the call of God, whom shall we send? As Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. That's dot two. Dot three, this humbled and graced man Isaiah becomes a poet, a poet and a prophet, and he starts to write and to say words that 2,700 years later we are still reciting. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with 
wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, all from that young man whose name nobody knew. Dot three. Dot four, on Bethlehem's plain, a child is born, a son is given. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And the great light, this Jesus of Nazareth, begins his ministry. And he begins his ministry by asking for the scroll of Isaiah. Dot three. And he turns to the 60th chapter and declares what his ministry is about, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus takes the words of Isaiah and casts them for his vision for what the reign of God is going to look like. Good news to the poor, binding for the brokenhearted, liberty for the captives, and proclamation of the jubilee of God. So to review, and there will be a test. Isaiah, the beloved yet leprous king. Dot two, in the year King Isaiah dies, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up and is called out of his own lostness. Dot three, from this man of once unclean lips come words that nobody can seem to forget. Dot four, the Messiah takes those words and with them cast his vision, a vision no smaller than the vision Isaiah saw long ago, good news to the oppressed, binding for the brokenhearted, liberty for the captives, and release for the prisoners. And, dot five, do you know what the people did when they heard Jesus claim Isaiah's vision, good news to the oppressed, binding for the brokenhearted, liberty for the captives? They took him to the edge of town and tried to throw him off a cliff. Because you know, when you come face to face with a vision like that, when you see the Lord high and lifted up, and when you hear that the Lord wishes the oppressed and the brokenhearted and the captives to be high and lifted up as well, it is a vision that either brings you to your knees or else causes you to throw its composer off the cliff. So, I want to wonder with you this morning, after connecting those dots, about what your vision of God is. The election's over. One king's reign is soon to be over, another king's reign is soon to begin. In the year that Obama finished and Trump began, the question is, not is what is your vision for America, but what is your vision of God? 
Because you know, in this grand sweep of God's story that we began several months ago, it seems, as we've discovered, that God shows very little interest with who we put on the throne, very little interest. Instead, God is interested in what we see on God's throne. What is your vision of God? It makes me think of a poem by Wilbur Reese. And the poem goes this way. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love someone who is different from me or to give too much of myself away. I want ecstasy, but not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb but not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like $3 worth of God, please. How much of God do you want? 29 years ago this past week, I watched my one and only child enter the world. It was one of the most intense experiences I have ever experienced, every single bit of it. All the wonder without any of the pain. <laughs> How great is that? But I do remember driving Amanda to the hospital at one o'clock in the morning and saying to myself, everything changes today, and it did. It was miraculous and it was scary, it was wonderful, it was emotional, it was happy, it was bloody, and I had no idea what it was going to do, what she was going to do to change me. And there came this rush, and you fall back upon yourself and you say, whoa. And you say, whoa, because something transcendent has taken place and you were swept into it, you were immersed into it, you were overwhelmed by it, and you are so sure that this is a God thing because you can't hold on to it. You, you can't put it into a paper sack. You can't load it on your iPhone. How much of God do you want? I don't know about you, but when I think about how much God I want, I usually want as much God as I think I can <clears throat> manage. That's kind of how we go about life. We do life by what we think we can manage. We manage our time, we manage our schedules, we manage our homes, we manage our employees, we manage our children, our children manage us, we manage our money, we manage our careers, we manage people, we manage events. Life is something we think ha that has to be managed. And so when it comes to God, isn't it often the case that we want as much of God as we are able to manage, as much as we can manage into our schedules, into our routines, into our bank accounts, into our calendars, into our prayer time, we want as God, much of God as we can manage. Maybe we did that even in this past election. It doesn't matter who you voted for, but was there the chance that you tried to get your God to somehow conform to the choice you made or to justify the choice you made? I know I did. Imagine, though, with me, an unmanageable God. 
Imagine with me a God who will not conform to your schedule. Imagine with me a God who may not agree with your definition of success. Imagine with me a God who may have a whole different idea about your life than what you think. Imagine with me a God who is presently preparing to dislodge you from your dearly held conviction. Imagine me with me a God who may not want to be a member of your party. Imagine with me a God who's trying to tell you perhaps that you don't have it quite right. Imagine with me a God who is so holy, so majestic, so perfect, so terrible in splendor that if we were even to peek at him, we would spontaneously combust. Imagine with me a God that none of us can quite fit into our little minds and hearts. Imagine with me an unmanageable God. I love what Annie Dillard had to say about how blithely we approach and invoke the power of God. She says this, she says, it is madness to wear ladies' velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews, for the sleeping God may awake someday and take offense, or the waking God may draw us out to where we can never return. Jonathan Edwards, the great 18th century American preacher, wrote that the times he felt closest to God were when thunderstorms would appear on the horizon. At the first sign of dark clouds, Edwards would make for the fields and watch as the sky grew black and the wind picked up and thunder rumbled and lightning flashed across the sky. The fiercer the storm, the better. And he would tell of how as the wind blew and the thunder crashed and the lightning peeled, he would sing and chant his meditations. Our session and staff have been reading the Chronicles of Narnia and I was reminded of Lucy and the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe when she comes into contact with the newly resurrected Aslan, this transcendent and holy lion, and the lion invites her and the children to romp with him a while and Lucy describes it like playing with a kitten as much as with a thunderstorm. playing with a thunderstorm. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the hem of his robe filled the temple, and the seraphim flew and called out, Holy, 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 Lord of hosts, the earth is full of your glory. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon me to proclaim good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to release the captives. There is a longing, said Father Gregory Boyle, there is a longing in all of us to be God enthralled. So enthralled, he says, that to those hunkered down in their disgrace in the shadow of death, we become transparent messengers of God's own tender mercy. We want to be seized by that tenderness. We want to bear the largeness of God. 
So it's no surprise that when the disciples go out for a day of fishing, Jesus tells them to push out to the deep, to put out into the deep and to cast their nets, to cast their nets way out there in the deep, into the unmanageable, invisible, into the mysterious depths. And they cast their nets into the deep region and they pull out this unmanageable amount of fish, an unmanageable amount of fish. And Peter says, whoa, Woe is me, for I am a sinner. I am just a regular bloke, and I have been in the presence now of the transcendent. And Jesus says, guess what? From now on, you're gonna be catching people. Peter casts his net into the deep, pulls out this unmanageable amount of fish, and Peter goes, whoa, and Jesus says, okay now, now it's time for you to catch people. Now it's time for you to cast your life into people. Now it's time to bind up the brokenhearted. Now it's time to release the captive. Now it's time to bring good news to the poor. And Peter goes, whoa, whoa, you know, Lord, I'd rather be, I'd rather the $3 sack. I'd rather a few minnows, if that can do the trick just a little bit of the divine. Not enough to make me care about people different than me. But now you want me to fill the net full of people. And that's really where we meet, right? The unmanageable God. We meet the unmanageable God in his unmanageable people, in this sacred mystery of other people, in the brokenhearted, in the oppressed, in the captive. You may not see God up on his throne, but I guarantee you, you will see God in the mystery of the person who is sitting right next to you, in the depths of the person who is living right next door, in the confounding behavior of someone different than you, in the messy lives of those you you do not understand in the unclean lips of others that match, guess what, your unclean lips. You will see visions of God that you never dreamt you'd see. Good news to the oppressed, binding up the brokenhearted, release to the captives. Mother Teresa said, if we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. And there is nothing more true than that that we belong to each other. Americans, Democrats, Republicans, rich, poor, black, white, Syrian, Sudanese, old, young, gay, straight, losers, winners. If we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Would that it never be so. For in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the hem of his robe filled the temple, and I heard him say, whom shall we send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me, send me, let me, let me throw the net into the mysterious depths of the human sea. Let me, let me tell the good news to the poor. Let me bind up the brokenhearted, let me, 
release the captive. Lest I forget that it is to these I belong. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.